0: But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to our 100th episode. Woohoo! Pretty cool, right? I'm really excited that Home Energy Design has now had 100 episodes. And so today's guest is a special guest that I have lined up for this particular show. And hey, in case you're wondering, I'm your host, Amanda Gates. (laughs) Today I've got back on the show, Ruby Warrington. And the reason that I wanted to have her on today specifically for the 100th episode is because it's all about celebration, about what we are willing to do, to tolerate, to sign up for. Uh, and how to be our best selves every day, how we can be better leaders and examples and influencers. She recently announced that she was tired of running an operation that never turned off and was just scratching the surface of what she really had to offer. So she was lost in a sea of busy and then she realized, oh my God, I've been running the Numinous for seven years So she realized that this was not the way that she wanted to do this. This was not business as usual. This was time for change. What I love about the idea of change is that all of the opportunities, the possibilities, the things that it will allow to come into our life. In the fall, I tend to get big ideas. I embrace change and probably even more so than I do in the spring. And Ruby has really inspired me to make a lot of changes in my own company and just reevaluate the way that we do business as usual. And as I surrender to the possibility of all the things that I could be doing, I instead look to what I want to be doing. You know, like, I don't know, what makes me really happy? (laughs) Like, what is it that I really want to do? And I think we all need to take a step back and ask ourselves, How often do we do that? How often do we really take a step back and say, but what is it that I want, right? All right, before we dive into today's show and more about what we're going to be talking about, I've got two things for housekeeping. Don't forget, I have a workshop coming up at Half Moon Yoga here uh, in Nashville. It's actually in Franklin, Tennessee. That's going to be happening on November 3rd. I believe it's at 3 p.m. It's going to be daylight savings time. So it's going to be really interesting how many people show up on time. But that class is all about how to remove negativity from your spaces. And I love teaching this class in the fall because we tend to have a lot of guests coming and going because of the holidays. And we tend to have a lot of parties and festivities. And guess what? It leaves all kinds of gross residue in your spaces. So that's why it's a perfect class for the holidays. I also uh, wanted to announce I've got, and I'm putting together, it's not completed yet, but I'm putting together a wonderful bundle package. Not sure what to call it. It's kind of a class, but it's really not. Um, It'll definitely include a video, but I'm putting together a program that's called New Year, New Energy. My team and I were discussing in our staff meeting this morning, all the things that I do to celebrate the new year and all the ceremonies that I perform on my own home. And I've never shared them before. So I'm putting together uh, basically this package and it will, the link will be up on the website, the homepage where you can go to purchase this. The documents in the video will be made available about the middle of November, maybe the end of November, Um, I still got to type everything up, but you'll have the opportunity to sign up now. I'm only going to, uh, make a limited quantity of these and only make it available to a limited quantity of people. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, be sure to sign up now, because once I hit the number that I want to hit, then I'm going to, uh, take the sign down or take the button down. All right. So be sure to head on over there and click on that if that's something you're interested. All righty. Let's get back to today's show. What I really love about today's show is its possibility to put a fire under your own ass to make a difference while not sacrificing your soul. As women, and I'm sure men do this too, but I see this a lot more with women, we tend to give until the point of exhaustion for all kinds of reasons. Fear of failure, looking like we don't have it all together, looking inadequate, incompetent, unable to make the ship go forward, you know, we're supposed to like make all this shit happen basically. And it's supposed to be beautiful and perfect and like nothing is going wrong. And from the outside, that might be what it looks like. But on the inside, it, you know, could be an absolute disaster. I get this from my grandma. My grandma always told me that a woman's beauty goes only as deep as her disposition stays sweet. I grew up with that mantra so I always felt like I had to give, give, give and always be kind and always be giving back and always be compassionate. And I still have a philosophy of this to this day. My brand mantra is all about teaching kindness, giving back and compassion. But I also think there needs to be boundaries. I think as women, we tend to overlook those boundaries and we just give and give and give. And this can be hard when you find yourself in the need to please, right? God forbid we let someone down. And in the business world, what this can lead to is burnout, frustration, and resentment. And guess what that is? Those are all below the cross emotions, you know, and if you're depositing that in your house, guess what? You have completely lost all chances to having a honey haven. You got to keep that home vibrant. You got to keep that chi vibrant. And if you're really in burnout mode and you're feeling feelings of resentment, let me tell you, that is not good energy to be in. That is not a place where you're cultivating any kind of good chi. And this matters whether you're in corporate or if you work for yourself. It can be easy to fall trap to doing, giving, and being more. So today, Ruby and I ask the question, what does running a sustainable business look like? What about if it involves spiritual matter? Can it coexist with happiness and fulfillment? What happens if social media isn't so social and in reality is the core of our problems? Ruby and I will discuss this and a whole lot more. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am so freaking stoked to have Ruby Warrington back on the show. Welcome, Ruby. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the show today because <laughs> we are about to blow up the paradigm of uh, the things that we have been saying yes to. But- um, you know, you're an uh, amazing kick-ass author. I think you've
1: now written two books. Is that correct? Well, I actually had a third book out this summer. Although it's not really a book, I had something out called the Numinous Astro Deck. So it's a kind of like a tarot deck, but it's astrology focused. So it's a tool for learning astrology, and it comes with a twenty thousand word book. So I'm like, that's actually another book. So that means I've done three books in the past two years. <laughs> which has been my wow. lot, Yeah. Um, and that kind of like, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that when we start diving into today's subject matter.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So she's an author of three books an astrologer. And I think many of us know us because you're this badass entrepreneur that started the numinous. And just in case uh, I had you on, I think two years ago, in case uh, somebody who's coming on that's new today, just give us a little bit of a recap of you know, your empire that you've
1: built and why you started The Numinous in the first place. So The Numinous is an online platform that covers every aspect of modern spirituality. Um, And I really created it. I created it in 2012. And I wanted to update everything kind of new age for life in what I call the now age, right? I sort of feel like so many of the subjects that we're now, well, even seven years on, are so much more popular, whether it be astrology or tarot or feng shui or um, shamanism or many of these kind of topics, particularly as they pertain to emotional well-being, um, were at the time back then, like seven, eight years ago, kind of really uncool and slightly fringe and kind of woo-woo. And as much as I knew many, many people who were really fascinated by these subjects, a lot of people didn't want to come come out of the closet with it you know and weren't going to like proudly say Mm -hmm. yeah I love astrology because you'd get a lot of side eye and a lot of kind of um yeah funny looks (laughs) and I just thought no these tools are extremely useful actually these this is ancient wisdom that is so pertinent to our lives now particularly more so than ever actually as our lives become more kind of entwined with technology and ruled by technology we need we need practices and tools Mm -hmm. that can connect us back to our humanness. And that's how I see all these numinous subjects, you know? So that was, that is what the numinous has been, I suppose. And as you know, it's currently in a bit of a, I'm on on a hiatus from posting or creating anything under that platform whilst I kind of readdress, I suppose, what I want it to stand for going forward. Um, The past seven, eight years have been a really big time of change, particularly in the way that we're in, in terms of content, right? My background is journalism and the, my, m- the profession of journalism that I had a 15, 20 year career in no longer exists in a way. It sort of evaporated in the onslaught of this kind of free digital press that we now have access to, which is so great in so many ways. But it also means that there's just this avalanche of content out there. Um, and going forward, I want to be a lot more discerning, not only about what I consume, but also about what I put out into the world. And taking a break from the numinous is part of that. And I think that's key, discerning
0: what Mm -hmm. you consume, which is (laughs) what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm curious, you know, you started, I agree, oh my God. And we talked about this in the original show that, you know, um, being in the woo world was definitely not only side eye, but I mean, you were quote unquote, you know, all kinds of derogatory terms. So You were a dirty hippie and, you Mm -hmm. know, you
1: were a weirdo and, you know, what was wrong with you or stupid or naive or yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's so interesting how, you know, and you and I are both the same age, but
1: how trendy it has Mm -hmm. become Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be totally Totally. And I feel like that was in a way my mission with the numinous was to make it cool so that knowing that if it was kind of seen as cool or trendy, people would have a much easier access point into discovering these tools and hopefully being able to use them in their lives in a way that's very empowering. And I see that happening. And then I also see a lot of, um, yeah, just kind of very surface content of that kind being put out there, which is kind of the antithesis of what i my deeper mission with the numinous was.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where you have to be really careful is that it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast 10 years ago. I really wanted to put, um, information out there that was legit, that had deeper meaning to it, that was really educational and helped people raise their consciousness and, and gave them an understanding of all of the amazing tools that were out there that were legit, that mm. have actually been around for centuries, that for whatever reason have been shoved down and, uh, you know, kind of uh, deemed derogatory things. Mm. and. I think what's interesting is, is that now, because it has become so trendy, it has become quite surfacy. You know, there's uh, a lot of hype and it's like, if you've got a good branding manager and a good marketing team, it's like, you know, you can know absolutely nothing about the subject matter and, you know, you could be seen as the expert Mm -hmm. and a kitschy version of it that's cool and fun and enjoyable. And I see that a lot in the feng shui world like, right. like there are a lot of people out there that do not do the work that you know don't know what they're doing but they have the money and the the resources to really gloss it over and make it shiny and sparkly and exciting so people go to that and gravitate towards that and there's no real meat to it there's no real substance to it and I'm curious. When you started the Numinous seven years ago, you had this amazing goal. You know, you really um, wanted to make it cool. You had this great direction. As you really got into it and started, um, I mean, it blew up. I don't even know if you realized like how big it was going to be. But now that you can kind of reflect back of what it's become, is it everything that you hoped, or you know,
1: did it kind of go in a different direction than you thought it would? It is everything that I hoped. Um... Yeah. uh, As far as I'm concerned, it has completely retained its integrity. Um, And that's largely because it's remained, you know, it's been a passion project for me all the way along. You know, you talked about me having created this empire. Well, I never earned a living from it. It doesn't have any revenue streams attached to it. And so in a way I've been able to maintain the integrity of the platform and what I've put out on the platform because I haven't had to answer to a investors or B clients who were kind of like wanting a certain thing. So it definitely has, yeah. And, and in terms of fulfilling on its mission of like bringing some of these subjects into the mainstream, that's absolutely something that's happened. And for me personally, I mean, it launched my career as an author. I had never, I'd always considered myself a journalist. And I thought that was how I was going to use my words in the world. Um, and it was about a year and a half or two years after I launched the Numinous, I was approached by Collins to ask you know, see if I wanted to write a book and found myself doing a book, which actually I realize is what I'm really here to do in the world, you know, and that's what I want to do more of going forward. I think that books can actually be incredibly healing and extremely impactful for people in a way that, you know, magazine articles, social media posts, certainly, and even podcasts to an extent can't, can't touch, you know, books have been transformational for me. They've been transformational for so many people I know. And so I'm extremely grateful that creating the Numinous became a springboard for me to have a career and to kind of like formulate bigger ideas and have the time and space to put bigger and more impactful ideas out into the world. Um, But towards the end and, you know, I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but I, yeah, well, I said, I'm on a hiatus, but one of the reasons you reached out to have me on the podcast is because I sent a newsletter out that was just like, I'm taking a break. And these are all of the reasons why. And I think, you know, I said, I had three, I've had three books out in the past two years and I reached a point of just absolute burnout. And I realized and was devastated in the realization that actually a lot of what I had been putting out on the numinous, particularly when it comes to Instagram was very much just going through the motions. And like I said, just kind of contributing to more of the fluff that I saw in the world, I was doing the best I could. But given the um, the amount that I had stretched myself to fulfill and all these different projects I had up and running, um, it was as not good enough as far as I was concerned. <laughs> and not good enough, not because not from a perfectionist standpoint, but not good enough in the sense of like, this isn't contributing what I want it to and what I know it can. And so I'm actually just going to stop until I have the energy to really um, be using that platform in an impactful way again.
0: And I think that's, you know, really key that you are being a leader in this and giving yourself permission because I think that our patriarchal system has conditioned us to believe that we have to be on all the time.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Cracks me up because you know, even nature has seasons, you know, there's a reason why we have winter it's for nature to kind of regroup and recalibrate and rest, Mm. you know, and it's like, we don't allow ourselves. It's like, we are conditioned to believe that we have to be in spring and summer all the time Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work that way. And I think what's, um, really funny about all of this is, is so many people have these dreams. I I can't tell you, and I'm sure you get it too. I hear people all the time oh, I just dream of breaking out of corporate and I want to live a creative life full of freedom and I want to be an entrepreneur. And they see, you know, the stuff that's on internet and Instagram and and Pinterest and, you know, it just looks so romantic and sexy and you know, <laughs> <just> fun. <laughs> yes. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to be amazing every single day. And I don't think that people really fully understand what they're signing up for. And it's like, It's basically a double-edged sword because like you and I are very similar in that it's the same thing with this podcast. I've never advertised on this podcast because I wanted to be able to do it my own way, and I really want to be able to put the content out there that I want and not be told what to do and not give up the integrity of the show, but this is a a 40-hour-a-week job just managing this podcast, and so it's a lot of time and effort that people don't realize in everything, when we have these um, empires that we build, how much of the content is free and what it requires to make that happen. The people mm-hmm. that are involved and the resources, the software. Oh my God, I spend so much money and <laughs> software just between the podcast and YouTube. It's effing ridiculous. <laughs> and It's funny because, you know, I'll have other woos say to me, oh my God, you charge so much for your consultations. And it's like, oh my God, it's because I'm trying to make up for all of the free stuff that I'm putting out there. So that I can afford, I, we were just looking at our software uh, budget the other day, and we're spending like
1: eighteen hundred dollars a month just in software. It's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And yes, absolutely, that's the thing. I think in the sort of like, and this is something I think needs to be massively readdressed as we move forward. <laughs> you know, the fact that. Um, it seems somehow um, exploitative to charge money for services that are helping people or that are in any way kind of to do with healing or wellness. And yet, people will happily spend $1,000 on a handbag that's, right. like, that's contributing absolutely nothing and has possibly been made using super extractive labor choices. And, and killing like, our planet. And then, and then here we are, yeah, putting all this time and energy into creating free content for people to consume for free. It's really, yeah, I think that it needs to be, that needs, it needs to be really, um, what's the word? There needs to be a massive realignment in terms of what we as consumers value and what we're prepared to spend our money on, you know? Um, yeah,
0: and I think it's, you know, you your background is in journalism, and I'm sure you've seen a huge shift just in um you know the consumption of journalism and what it used to be twenty years ago, oh, God, and yeah. <laughs> how quickly and at the pace that it runs now. It's like talk about fluff. It's like they can't even really get into the real facts and um, really get into a full piece because they're running the story so quickly. And and I, I heard the other day something like the average journalist only has something like eight to twelve hours to actually put a piece together. That's ridiculous. Oh my God, you can't find out anything in that amount of time. Not you can Google
1: a bunch of stuff and just create an an echo chamber that kind of like regurgitates the same Uh. (laughs) non-information to put it bluntly. (laughs) But no, I mean like in the the good old days of journalism, you know, Vanity Fair would pay one of their writers thousands of dollars to create, you know, a really in-depth piece of reporting. And I watched as well, like when I, when I first launched the Numinous, I was doing freelance journalism to support myself and it was fine. And I just watched as over the past seven years, that, um, that income stream has just steadily been decimated where I'd be asked to write the same number of words for half the fee, quarter of the fee, and then nothing at all in, you know, to promote something I was working on or to promote something else. And it's just like, Hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the career that I had in journalism no longer exists you know I did an article for The Guardian on um, Team Vogue and I remember interviewing the head of content or the, the kind of editorial director and his team produced between 50 and 70 stories a day Wow! and I just thought that just even the thought of it gave me an anxiety attack. You know, I once heard the term "digital sweatshops," and it's it it's that like the people who are working for those publications are just getting completely burnt out. You know, um, and are seen as so disposable as well. The skill and the talent of reporting of journalism. I think, of course, there are still outlets that will pay for great journalism and that produce great journalism, um, but that pool is getting smaller and smaller. So it's not really a making money. As a journalist, if you're a writer, is not really a valid career option anymore. Well, and I think you're
0: right. I think we have to really, um, as consumers, we have to kind of shift our own paradigm and mm. you know, step back so that we can understand that bigger picture. Because, like, I had a, I put up this fantastic YouTube video uh, about a year ago where I gave away. Nine very valuable tips in feng shui how to um, introduce the idea of real love in your life. And it, I mean, I spent hours putting this video together. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I had actually put together an audio. And so, what you did is you watched the video and I gave away a couple of the tips. And then I said to, you know, really get into this and, and learn more click on the link below so that you can listen to the 45 minute audio. And I actually had a guy complain saying, this is so lame. It's not even real. And you're this is false advertising because you're not giving away all the tips. And I'm like, all you have to do is click on the link. And it's like, (laughs) wow, you know, it's the laziness. It's the, well, you need to do all the work and you need to give it all to me for free.
1: Well, the entitlement as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's that entitlement that I'm entitled to this free information. And like you said, it's like, especially if you're a healer, it's like you're expected because you have a gift Mm. um, that you should be um, giving that gift away for free. And I don't know where that bullshit came from.
1: Well, it's in, I think a lot about how caretaking, you, you know, you referenced the patriarchy, but caretaking, which is traditionally a kind of maternal slash feminine role is completely devalued. If you even think about, you know, the fact that carers, who have probably some of the hardest jobs, really, in terms of their time, the emotional labor um People who are caring for a sick and disabled individuals in society is like some of the lowest-paid jobs, you know. And I think it's that's one example of how little caretaking, healing, um, and those sorts of industries are valued. Whereas, absolutely, we absolutely couldn't survive without the caretakers in our society, you know. Whereas the people who are re- rewarded the high, the most financially, are the people who make the most money you know which I is so like vid- funny in the financial industries who are literally making money by making money which doesn't even exist it's like it, it, it has absolutely zero benefit to the wider society and yet these are the people who are reaping the biggest financial rewards so again i think this is this is a paradigm that is has has fallen to its knees and i hope is on its kind of like last legs In and i think so much of what we're seeing politically environmentally is just kind of a testament to the fact that we have had enough and yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how things play out in the coming years.
0: Well, and I think a lot of people and women, especially, I think we're just tired of all of it and we're tired of mm-hmm. being on this, you know, free train and, um, the giving, giving, giving without anything in return. And I agree. Yeah. I look back at, both my ex-husband and, and, uh, the long-term relationship that I was in, you know, fine individuals, but what they were giving to society and what they were doing for a living, they were both making, uh, multiple six figures Mm. in their careers Mm -hmm. and they were not contributing in any Hmm. form or fashion. And, Hmm. you know, I find it interesting that, um, you know, what we do for a living really helps transform people's lives and and really gives them the tools necessary to, you know, make major shifts in their lives. And, you know, I've had points in my career where I've had to justify like why I charge what I do. And, you know, it's like I get tired of doing that. It gets really exhausting. And I, I think you're right. I think that we have to shift the paradigm and, and make people realize that it's the spiritual tools that are really what's going to make a difference and it, you know it's going to be um, those healing tools that are are going to shift mass consciousness into a better way of doing things and a better way of operating well, just
1: a more humane way and a more um collaborative, sustainable <laughs> sustainable way exactly but we think we think about sustainability in terms of the environment i and i, look, I thankfully eat, but only that we're only beginning to, but we are hearing more about people use the term sustainability as it relates to humans as well, like in our energy levels and our reserves and our communities. And I think that we need to think about what what it takes to create sustainable communities and lives for ourselves as individuals.
0: Yeah. And I think too, I wanted to talk a little bit, which we've kind of um, hit on, but just the dark side of being an entrepreneur where the majority of our business is online. I mean, my business is almost a hundred percent virtual and I know the numinous was virtual, but when you're trying to live, you know, this spiritually fulfilling life, you know, in your opinion, how do we balance the demand and, and, you know, it's like, you know, you talked about this in your newsletter when you, you know, said enough is enough. We need to simplify. And this is ridiculous. I'm going on a hiatus. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, you know, how do we, how do we spiritually and emotionally fulfill ourselves in a way that really fills up our tank while simultaneously giving back to the world in a big way? Um, you know, so that we get the balance. Like, how do you think that from this point on, and it's why I'm having you on the show today, so that we mm-hmm. can give people permission to start doing this? Mm-hmm. Because I think there are a lot of people out there that have, you know, virtual businesses. And I should mention, too, you know, there are a lot of women out there that have virtual businesses and they have another support system. So they may not be looking at what they are or are not getting because I was one of those women, you know, I I had a a second income for a very long time. And so I wasn't really paying attention to, oh my God, there's like a, there's not enough here. (laughs) Mm. So how do we get that balance back? What are some steps that, you know, if people are listening today, what are some things that we can start Doing that are positive, that aren't like you know, reprimanding people, it's not their fault, it's just kind of where we landed because the the way that we've been conditioned. How do we
1: start shifting? Well, just to share a bit about my experience, another thing that kind of like was behind this hiatus um, my husband has always had a really, really well paid corporate job, and as much as I always paid like half the rent and my share of the bills and things. Knowing that he had a, a, a solid, regular income gave me a kind of emotional cushion, I suppose, that allowed me, likewise, to not necessarily address the fact that 80% of the work I was doing and the energy I was expending was I was not being remunerated for. Um, but he decided to quit his job; like he totally burnt out in that in that career and just quit his job with no safety net in April, and it was a Incredibly joyous time for us. He's so he was so ready to move on, and it's been so thrilling to kind of like watch him step into a life that actually means something to him. But at the same time, I've said to him, I was like, when you the day you quit your job, your soul said to my soul, Ruby, it's time to step it up and stop giving it away for free. <laughs> mm, amen. So I'm so grateful that he did because it really made me. It forced me to look at, well, where am I spending my energy? How can I work smarter, not harder? And also another huge thing for me has been looking at my own role in like well, my own kind of addiction to the sort of like validation that I was also getting from being this big person on social media and having all this stuff happening in the world, you know, my second book um, was called so is called sober curious. It came out at the beginning of this year. Um, And in it, I talk all about how embarking on this spiritual path had really shone a light on how I was using alcohol um, in pretty unhealthy and abusive ways, even though my drinking would absolutely be considered, quote unquote, normal drinking in our society. Um, And so I've completely reevaluated my relationship to alcohol. um, And as a result of that, I've been looking at everything else in my life that I've been using kind of addictively or abusing rather as a way to get kind of external things that I think are going to fill me up. And social media was absolutely one of those things. Success itself was absolutely one of those things. And so I've done a lot of examining this year of how many of my actions and how much of my work and how much of what I'm putting out into the world was actually for me to get some kind of validation, some kind of recognition, something outside of myself. So I've been doing a lot of work around like just feeling enough, just letting myself know that I am enough. My life is enough. My work is enough. Doing less, meaning having less people, giving people less things to recognize in me or less things to celebrate about me is actually fine and extremely relaxing and very validating in and of itself, if that makes sense. So I think that really thinking about the intention behind everything we do, really imagining like, I also had an incident in um, January this year. It was, a, it was about 10 days after my after Sober Curious came out. And I got locked out of my Google G Suite. And I have about 10 different emails in there that were, you know, people like assistants, my numinous emails, my personal Ruby Warrington email. And I couldn't access any of them for about 10 days because um, Google's security protocols are extremely regimented. And the guy who had been managing my Google G suite had basically just gone completely AWOL and shut down his company. And it took me a long time to find him. And at first I completely freaked out, but, um, about halfway through this period, this kind of sense of calm settled on me. And I, I really was able to, cause I was complete, I was unable to interact with anything that I was working on. I was really able to, to sit in that place and be like, what do I actually want to be doing? What is giving me as much as it is giving me, the people who are consuming it and what would happen? How radical if I only did those things, like, you know, if I only did things that actually feel truly valuable to me and to others, what would that look like? Um, and so I've been trying to only take on jobs or kind of pursue leads or pick things up that, that meet both those criteria, you know, valuable to me and valuable to others. How selfish of you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But I mean, seriously, I
0: think that, um, I really think that the shift really started to occur when social media started to gain momentum. I mean, Mm. can we all agree that it is just like this brazen, bold faced liar putting out like, you know, relentless, Unrealistic goals on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we should be prettier. We should be thinner. We should be more successful. We should be making more, you know, money. We should mm-hmm. have the perfect family. I mean, I, I hate those Instagrams where like they're at the beach and they're always smiling and everything's perfect and the meals are amazing and they're organic. And <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, and it like is. This- I mean, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's media and advertising on crack basically. I mean, that's what the, you know, mad men style of advertising has always been that like present this image of perfection and here's the products and here's the services and here's the whatever to have, so that you can achieve or attain that because what you have is not good enough. And it's just that on crack. And I think the thing that really got me about social media, I did a podcast interview for my, I had a, a, a numinous podcast called the now age, which again, I'm just kind of like if and when it comes back will be perfect. <laughs> um, but I did an interview with a woman um who was talking about kind of social entrepreneurship, I suppose, and she was like you're basically working for Mark Zuckerberg for free. He's making gazillions of dollars a year. I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. So I quit. I quit. I said quit. I um took you know, implemented my Instagram hiatus the week that I reached 100,000 followers, which was not planned at all, but it felt like a very sweet irony, you know, and a really good, um, it felt to me like it was a real, uh, what's the word? It just was a a really perfect time to kind of take a step back because the implicit in that was like 100,000 followers and what does that do for me, you know?
0: Yeah, well, it's that vanity metric that we are told that we need to strive for, and we need more and more and more. And I think my biggest epiphany was I read Cal Newport's deep work uh, about two or three years ago, and he talked about the metrics of social media and how they hire um Attention engineers is what they're actually called. And uh, they hire these same people. Um, these are the same people that have been working for the casino since the seventies. Right. Interesting. They've now found this new niche for them to put them into social media. And that's why you see on Facebook things like likes and love and same thing on Instagram where, and now you see the new thing on um, Facebook where you're being, you're given badges like top fan and, you know, new mm. member and, you you're getting Mm -hmm. fun little badges. And so what it does is it, it, it's like, it's releasing dopamine in your brain because you Mm -hmm. feel socially accepted. And so you want to stay in there. And so Mm -hmm. before you know it, you've, you know, you get that little screen time thing on your phone where you've spent 21 hours on your phone
1: this week and you're like, Oh my God. (laughs) Totally. Totally. So for me, you know, I have very, so I have still been posting, although I then, I was planning to keep posting on my Ruby Warrington account. I'm getting, I'm feeling there's a lot of value there because this sober curious conversation is very much alive. And a lot of people are interacting with me about that on the Ruby Warrington platform. And so I've been using that still. It did feel, um, it felt juicy and it felt good. And, um, so I, can, I decided to keep doing that. But then I went, on a, I went on a big kind of extended visit with my family, various family members in Europe in July. And again, like through, through eclipse season, July through August, like I felt like it was just a no man's land of <laughs> anything can happen, energetic no man's land. But about halfway through the trip, two weeks into the trip, I just was like, I really can't be, I just can't look at social media. I need to be present with these people, right? I need to be present with my family. I need to be present with my friends. I'm just going to post again when I feel like it. And it took two and a half weeks before I actually felt like it and where it, where, I, where there was no trace of me posting because I felt like I should or there was any kind of feeling of lack around, if I don't post, I'm going to be irrelevant or people are going to forget about me or I'll drop off the algorithm, like all of those things, which I'm sure all of us feel. Um, I, had, I, I made myself wait until there was not a trace of that before I posted something. Um, and that felt really good. And I've been trying to, trying to, um, stick with that. I'll post when I feel like it. And if it takes three weeks, then that's how long it takes. However, that said, I don't want to be so disingenuous to, to say actually, you know, I didn't get anything out of having a hundred thousand Instagram followers. Well, it helped me get book deals. It helps me publicize my retreats. It does. And so I'm thinking about like, I'm just creating for myself very strong boundaries around using social media. And I'm not on Facebook. Weirdly, I've never, um, developed any kind of attachment or addiction to facebook i can entirely forget that it's there for months and months at a time um, but with instagram just really seeing it as a business tool not even first and foremost like so only as a business tool um and just yeah i take it i delete the app off my phone every night i have office hours basically like 10 to 7 monday to friday
0: Oh, that's a great tip. And I'm just going gonna... to delete the
1: app off my phone the rest of the time, because I know that if it's there, I'll be tempted to just kind of sneak in there, you know?
0: Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you, we, we talked a little bit about how you've kind of navigated this. And, and I think it's important to mention, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to have Ruby on is I myself started to, and I'm sure all of you who listen to this show and are are fans of mine, you've noticed that I am never on social media anymore. I started really... Uh, in February, getting the bug of enough is enough, like, oh my God, like between the podcast and the YouTube channel and just trying to, you know, do everything else that I do, it's like you can very easily get sucked into working 16 hour days and it's exhausting. And I think that, you know, many of us, I know that I've been working for myself now for uh, 17 years. And I think what's interesting is, is that many people will say, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur so that, you know, I'm not under the thumb of someone else, but I think what we don't realize is that many of us still put the traditional patriarchal demands on ourselves as how to, you know, what we should, which you just mentioned, what we should be doing and what we should be making and how we should be keeping office hours, which if you're an entrepreneur, you don't have to work Monday through Friday, you know, nine to six or whatever it is. If you want to have office hours,
1: you know, at midnight to 3 a.m. You can, <laughs> but, but so few people do. Yeah, we're so yeah. it's so ingrained in us this kind of corporate way of working. But I do think that we're beginning to shift it. We just need more people talking about and giving and modeling it and giving examples of it. I think, which is so great. I think we ha- I can't wait to share this conversation with my audience too because this is very present for me. This this conversation currently. So yeah, I think just reevaluating like what am I working for? Like really, what does a successful life look like to me? Um is a huge part of this. Well, and I think too,
0: you know, as women, I think that we've been trying to break this mold. Um, We've been trying to break out of the unreasonable expectations and really start making our own rules, but there's still, there has been a little bit of that paradigm of, you know, we're still trying to prove ourselves Mm. and it's like, we want to prove that we are just as good as the boys and we can make Mm -hmm. just as much as the boys and we Mm. are just as smart as the boys. And Mm -hmm. so I think we've held on to those. Conditions and those stereotypes to prove to someone, which we probably haven't even stopped long enough to think about
1: who we're proving exactly why we're doing exactly. Yeah,
0: I think that um, what's so important about this conversation is that I my biggest issue is that when I started working for myself, if I didn't adhere to the rules, whatever those rules were, I don't know. I was probably perception, but I felt guilty. If I wasn't yeah. working in the middle of the day, I felt guilty. And this is the mm-hmm. first time in my life, and maybe it's because I'm over 40 now and I don't give a shit, but I, this is the first time in my life where I will take a nap in the middle of the day because I'm exhausted and I feel like it and I will do it and I don't feel guilty about it. Or like after this podcast, after you and I get done talking, I'm going to
1: a yoga class in the middle of the day. (laughs) And I might not go do any more emails or do anything else on my laptop for the rest of the day. And that's okay. And that's okay. Completely. And I think, so, you know, you mentioned, and I, this is something I touched on as well. I think creating a really um, heightened awareness around the different feeling states that come up. In terms of our work and in terms of how interacting with social media in terms of what we're striving for is really, really vital and just noticing and just and obviously your meditation practice is probably the number one way to begin with that kind of self inquiry, but um, just being able to get really adept at noticing when I'm doing something out of guilt, when I'm doing something out of a place of lack, when I'm doing something out of needing validation or having a feeling that there's something to prove. And consciously, anytime that feeling is attached to an action, doing the opposite action as a way of kind of breaking those patterns. I think that's something I learned in terms, it's, it's the process I used in terms of reevaluating and my relationship to alcohol. Just noticing anytime a craving hit and then like doing the opposite thing, right? And over time, we start to rewire our brain and we start to um, cultivate ways of being and acting in the world that are actually in alignment with what we need versus just following along with that outdated paradigm that's been bred into us.
0: Well, I, you know, I really commend you for doing this because I think that really this is so needed now more than ever, you know, it, it's gonna take courageous thought leaders to, <laughs> and with platforms, you know, I've been saying this for 10 years, but I don't know that it's, you know, I, I know that there are people listening, but it's going to take a collective. It's yeah. gonna take you talking about it, me talking about it. Uh, we were talking about Tisha before the show. There's, There's all of these people who are influencers and leaders that are starting to step up and that's what's going to create a shift. That's what's gonna make people go, Huh, how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby's talking about it, Amanda's talking about it, you know, different yeah. people are talking about it. And that's yeah. what's gonna make them take notice. And I think what's so great, you could probably talk about the astrology around this, but there's definitely mm-hmm. some shit going on in the stars.
1: <laughs> <There> <laughs> well, is some. Absolutely. Yeah. So in May this year, Uranus, which is the planet of revolution and radicalization moved from Aries into Taurus. It moves in seven-year cycles, so it will be in the sign of Taurus for the next seven years. And Taurus rules the material world and how we relate to the material world, what we find of value, how we are valued, how we earn income. All of these things are up for complete, like, never seen before blue sky thinking like revolution in the next seven year period. So that's going to impact all of us in different ways as individuals based on where Uranus and where tourists show up in our individual birth charts. But as a collective, we're being invited into a time where we actually get to reimagine these things in ways that we haven't done for, well, yeah, let's see, 84 in our lifetimes actually. Cause if it's a seven year cycle, you know, it was only, it was in Taurus 84 years ago.
0: Wow. Yes. And then how do all the eclipses, I mean, I know eclipses are extremely powerful and release a lot of energy and and we've had a lot of them this year.
1: (laughs) We have eclipse eclipse season, they they happen every um, six months apart. So every January and then every July, we'll have two kind of like rounds of eclipses. And they've currently this year, I think, so eclipses kind of speed up transitions and they speed up transformational processes by eclipsing things in suddenly and eclipsing things out suddenly and the eclipses we experienced this summer were in the cancer Capricorn axis so cancer ruling the feminine principle in a way in some ways and Capricorn the sort of patriarchal it's matriarchy patriarchy basically mother father um, home life like public life and so we've had eclipses in those areas, and also thinking about security and stability and what it actually means to create a sense of inner stability versus what it means to be seeking outside of ourselves and achieving X, y, and z to have mater- have security. so these these are definitely very present themes that will have come up for people coming out of the eclipse season of July, August, this summer, two thousand and nineteen. And what about, isn't Saturn about to go direct
0: and like it, that goes direct. What, how does that affect us? Cause I know that Saturn is all about, uh, restriction and kind of slowing us down. Correct.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, Saturn, some people call it like the personal trainer planet, like wherever, whatever part of our chart Saturn is transiting through, we'll be getting some, what might feel at the time, like difficult life lessons, but which are ultimately in service of us developing stronger spiritual, emotional muscle so that we can um, thrive and actually, yeah, move forward even stronger. And so collectively Capricorn's currently, sorry, Saturn is currently moving through Capricorn, which again is a sign of the patriarchy. It's the sign of success, achievement, business, career. So we are getting potentially some collectively some, some life lessons in that area, which is about a two and a half year cycle. Um, and, but again, individually for us, like it's in my second house, which is my house of earned income. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, I'm getting, I'm being, I'm being put through some tough lessons in that area, you know? Um, but ultimately stepping up to them, embracing them means, I'm yeah, I'm growing and I can feel myself getting stronger and more powerful in that area, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, the retrogrades happen kind of every year, like the, those kind of, slightly outer planets or Saturn's called an interpersonal planet, meaning it links. It's between the personal planets, which are like Mars, Venus, um, the moon, the sun and moon um, to the outer planets, Uranus, um, Neptune, and Pluto. So the inter interpersonal planets kind of connect higher consciousness to are kind of like everyday consciousness. And they go retrograde every year for about um, six months or so. So it just means that there's, when a planet is retrograde, and this goes for Mercury retrograde too, it really just means that there's more of an internal influence of that planet's energies rather than what we're seeing out in the world. So while Saturn's in retrograde, it could mean we're doing more kind of inner self-inquiry or kind of learning some internal, inner-facing lessons Rather than being presented with stuff to deal with out in the world. So for me, exactly, it's been looking at insight like where does my lack mentality come from where does my need for validation come from why did I feel like because I think you know giving all this stuff away for free it comes from like well that means people will like me it means people how can people say no to my stuff when it's free you know there's some stuff around that like if I start charging for it it means less people are gonna quote unquote like me (laughs) Mm. and so where does that come from so my Saturn retrograde lessons have been around that kind of inner self-inquiry about my own lack mentality and how that fed into my business practices. And as it goes direct, I'll be able to, I'll see some of that work, inner work being reflected to me in situations in the outside world.
0: Well, I think it's fascinating because, you know, it, it to me seems like, and maybe it's just because I'm older and I'm much more aware, you know, it, it, throughout this ascension process and where we're headed. And, you know, for those that are doing the work, we're headed into the fifth dimension, which is, you know, a higher vibration and a higher awareness, more loving, um, more compassionate, and I do feel like things have accelerated you know things that are going on in the stars. I feel like there's we 're accomplishing more lessons we 're being um, shown bigger things we're we 're being asked to do um, uncomfortable things to kind of uh mm-hmm you know, get through those lessons and to understand things and, and really become who we truly are at a soul level. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, what's so great about all of this is like, on one hand, you want to be like, oh my God, it's just so much, it's so much going on. It's too hard. And then on the
1: other hand, you're like, but let's get through this so we can hurry up and, and like, look how far, how, how much ground we're covering so quickly when we actually lean into the discomfort and we lean into some of the turmoil and we lean into some of these more intimidating changes that we're being asked to make. Like, look how quickly we can advance and we can enact changes that have been wanting to happen and trying to happen and beginning to happen for like centuries. Particularly as it comes to you know, in terms of you know, women's liberation or women's equality and these sorts of things, we are seeing as much as it doesn't feel like it in some areas, we are seeing progress in ways that are unprecedented. So I think we just have to zoom out sometimes and look at the big picture of like how fast things are changing for the positive. In as much as there's a lot of chaos in the world right now
0: well we have to have the contrast right you have to implode in in order to uh allow the the springtime to come again so i you know i think that we need to really honor the seasons and honor what's going on mm. um and we have to have the contrast in feng shui it's the yin and the yang like you have to have, you can't have one without the other because if right. you don't then it's not balanced exactly so I'm curious, you know, I'm hoping that everybody that's listening today has really gleaned, you know, we're talking about um, just our overall behavior and and having a better understanding of how we consume things and, and how we are truly addicted to our technology, which is not healthy for us. I always talk about on this show, cultivating your chi and keeping ourselves healthy for emotional well-being and technology is not one of the ways to do it. So, you know, Ruby, moving forward, I know you're still kind of in your hiatus and in la-la land, which yay for you. <laughs> I think everybody should be doing this, but you know, what, what's kind of in your uh, prediction sector as far as what does the next six months to, you know, a year look for you?
1: What are you hoping for? Well, this is the thing. I mean, I'm not in La La Land. I'm actually much more in my real life, <laughs> you know, and I've been doing tons of work behind the scenes. I'm writing a new book proposal. I have started working with lots of people to help them write their book proposals and to write their books and actually using my gifts and using my talents in a really real tangible way with individuals, rather than kind of just putting it all out there for free for, for, in a very kind of like watered down capacity. So I've been, yeah, I've been really enjoying kind of getting into what a business, a behind the scenes business looks like, you know, um, and that's feeling really good. So in terms of the next six months, yeah, hoping pe- helping people write some fantastic books that I really believe in, hopefully writing my own next book. In the meantime, yeah, spending more time offline with people that I care about <laughs> Mm. um i've recently made a decision i've been here in america for um seven and a half years and have been kind of wavering between like staying here maybe going back to the uk but i've made a decision to stay so i've applied for citizenship so i can vote in the next election yay which yay. why don't you why don't you state why that is because <laughs> we need a different president uh, yeah we that do would be we one a conscious and oh, healthy leader. But we right, right? <laughs> so I, I I can't stay in this country and not vote. So that's happening. The application is in. So please push me Godspeed in getting that application through. I'm taking my driving test, which I think actually <gasps> again, I've been putting it off. I've I've driven in the UK for years, but I hadn't got my US license and I've been putting it off, and putting it off and feeling fear around it. But I'm like, it's actually become quite symbolic of me getting back in the driving seat of my life to get my license again. <laughs> Yay. So, you know, these kinds of behind the scenes projects, and I'm just not feeling the need to like share about it all online. I'm just really kind of enjoying tucking into my life and making it feel juicy and abundant in, in the here and now, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, And if, I mean, if that's not a testament as to why you need to get off of social media, I mean, you can just hear the joy in your voice and you can hear, um, which I think is a new concept for many of us, right? Like, what is joy? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, it's this idea of, which we talked a little bit about uh, before the show, you know, me being off of social media, it's just, it is, it's it's gleaning more time in your life. And and it's like, even if you can stop and get off of social media for five hours a week, think about what you can accomplish in five hours. You can Mm -hmm. write a book, Mm -hmm. you can take a workshop and do a new course, maybe- Add some yoga to your life, start a meditation practice, go take a pottery class. Like Those are going to be far more fruitful in your life and and really contribute to your health and well-being, and it's sustainable. And I think too, I think one of the major factors that people don't really consider with social media is there's no human contact. Mm -hmm. And we need that. We've, we've really lost that lack of community and connection to one another and looking someone in the eyes and really understanding and feeling their emotional needs. Mm -hmm. You lose that when you're on social media. Mm -hmm. And that's why I loved, you were talking a minute ago about, you know, ways to break out of these patterns of being conscious, you know, Mm -hmm. just be present in, Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. And, Understanding that there's going to be patterns that you have to break because yes, most of you are addicted to your technology and it's going to be hard, but that's okay. Just mm-hmm. simply being aware of that and, and starting, you know, maybe this week you do 30 minutes
1: less. Just try. Mm-hmm. And or maybe you take one day off or maybe you just take it off your phone for the weekend and see how it feels. And there may be some discomfort that comes up and you may get bored and fidgety, but know that boredom and fidget, fidgetiness restlessness are actually symptoms of withdrawal. So if those symptoms come up, know that you're withdrawing actually and that they will ease and dissipate as you get more used to just being in more relaxed um, a relaxed way of being,
0: yeah, and I also loved um your recommendation of just understanding and actually feeling your emotions. Mm-hmm. I think that as women, again, if we go back to the idea of we're we're trying to keep up with the boys, improve ourselves with the boys, and that we're good enough, and you know we 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 try to overcome that guilt of all the things that we should could would have done, you know we shove our emotions down and, and I think we've also been conditioned not to feel those because God forbid, you know, what are women always stereotyped as? Oh my God, they're too dramatic. They're too yeah. emotional. Yeah. So I think that, you know, we have to remember that our emotions are our barometer to spirit. It's mm-hmm. our communication to our higher self. And so if you're
1: shoving those down, you're literally shutting down your system to God. <laughs> Basically, yes. And I've just come to see the, the richness of my different emotional states is so rich, like that word rich, you know, it just feels so, um, and empowering. Yeah, exactly. Rich and empowering to be able to be connected to those things. Um, where versus all of the kind of like all the riches on the outside world that I used to be so that I know now I was like striving for
0: yeah it's very surfacy, and I think that uh having a better connection to your emotions help you really it helps you navigate your decisions better you're mm-hmm. much more solution oriented you can tap into your intuition more quickly mm-hmm. um and I think that you're right it, it's it can be quite fruitful if you mm-hmm. will allow it
1: mm-hmm. and I
0: think that that's where the beauty of this rise of the divine feminine is is we have so many amazing uh, qualities to offer that have been kind of siphoned and, um, Mm -hmm. shut off and, um, controlled.
1: Mm, Yeah. And
0: devalued. Yeah. So I think that, you know, now is our time. We have so many amazing gifts that can really change humanity, which that's why next year is going to be so great for the political race. It is. (laughs) Um, but there's a lot (laughs) of qualities. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We need those qualities. We need that softness. We need that compassion and kindness that has been lacking in our culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what's been really great about the astrology of the last two years is that, yes, we always have retrogrades. Yes, we already have eclipses. And, you know, we've always got planets moving and, and slowing down and moving forward and things like that. But the thing is, is, you know, to me, Astrology has really sped up, and it, I feel like it's like spirit is on the other side going, All right, guys, you need to get yeah. your shit together. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to press fast forward now. Get ready. Yeah, like <laughs> enough is enough. Like yeah. y'all are like lollygagging down there. So we're going to start speeding things up for you and
1: we're going to get yeah. stuff done. Yes, <laughs> basically. Well, so, Ruby, yeah.
0: I've really I I knew that this conversation was going to be fantastic and I'm I'm really excited that you said yes to this because I think that this is an extremely important topic. And I think that more people, uh, men and women, I think they mm-hmm. need to really start reevaluating how they spend their time and what's important to them and, and really um, taking a step back and understanding that um, technology definitely has its benefits. There's, you know, I don't want to say that it's all bad. It definitely has its benefits and it has advanced us in many ways, but I think it has also hindered us in many ways and yeah. put a lot of um, unsustainable expectations on ourselves Absolutely. and perceptions that are not healthy for understanding those emotions that we were just talking about. And so I think that this is really important for everybody to be listening to today. If people are interested in learning more about you and learning more about the real
1: Ruby Warrington, where do they go to find you now? Well, I am on Instagram. At Ruby Warrington, and I'm redoing my personal website, rubywarrington.com. There's something up there now which has a contact form on it, but it also um, is being completely revamped um, to reflect all the things that I'm doing now. The Numinous is I'm still in my I'm still in my kind of fertile void with that, um, waiting to see what it will become. I have some ideas, um, but I'm not rushing anything. So. There's still not much going on over at the Numinous, I'm afraid. <laughs> but yeah, I guess my personal Instagram is the easiest place. And I do, I'm, I kind of, I mainly use it for DMs. Like I said, with Sober Curious, a lot of people are reaching out from really all over the world to let me know about their, um, how they're getting on with quitting drinking or changing their drinking habits. And I'm I'm happy to be there as a support and, and for, for people in that. So I'm definitely very active in my Instagram DMs, even if I'm not posting stuff.
0: Yeah, and I also want to mention uh, Ruby's first book, Material Girl, Mystical World, um, which was one that came out a couple of years ago. It's actually going to be coming out, or just came out actually a couple of days ago uh, in paperback. And one of the big deals about Ruby coming on today was we just hit for Home Energy Design our 100th episode. So Ruby is going to be gifting a book to someone. So super exciting. Oh, and what's your uh,
1: you also mentioned your astrology deck. What's the name of that? Oh yeah. So it's the Numinous Astro Deck and you can get all of my books on Amazon. So yeah, the paperback for Material Girl, Mystical World is out or just came out on um, October 1st. And I was so thrilled my publisher allowed me to write a new conclusion and to revamp some of the interior as well. So it's kind of a refreshed, updated edition for anybody who's read it. um, There is some new content in there. And for anyone who's new to it, it just reflects some of what we've been talking about and just kind of, um, yeah, where we've we've come over the past seven years, actually. Mm, I
0: love it. Well, thank you so much for saying yes to this.
1: Thank you again for reaching out. As soon as you your email came in, I was like, yes, this is the conversation you need to have. So thanks for inviting me on. Wasn't that such a great conversation? Ah, I just love her.
0: And I'm so glad that as a leader in the spiritual world and all the waves that she's making, that she's utilizing her platform in a positive way to start shifting and making a difference. And I hope that each and every one of you that have listen to this show today, you're inspired in some way to create change in your own life, you know, to really take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Where can you trim the fat? What are some things that you can eliminate that are really not serving you? They may be serving your audience or the people around you, your friends, your family, you know, that kind of thing. But is it really serving you? This is not a selfish question. And I think that's the biggest problem is we often look at it as, oh, well, that's so selfish and I can't look at it that way and I can't be that way. When in actuality, it's more about self-preservation. It's really about preserving your own energy and caring for yourself so that you can give back in bigger ways where it matters. All right, everyone, thank you for joining me on this show today. My name is Amanda Gates. And uh, if you'd like more information, you can always head on over to our website. Like if you'd like more information about a floor plan reading or real estate services or anything like that, you can find us at interiorvibes.com. I've also got a link on there for real estate services, uh, specifically to that service, I should say. And uh, don't forget, Ruby's going to be doing a special promotion of... She's going to be giving away a signed copy of her book. It's already been out, but this is an updated version. So make sure you head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Tell us what you love about the show or this show in particular to be put in a drawing to win the book. She'll be mailing that directly to you. Don't forget, uh, to I mentioned this at the top of the show. I've got the negativity class that I'll be teaching at Half Moon Yoga on November 3rd. And we're also going to be putting together a new year, new energy. It's going to be a package of ceremonies that you can do to call in new energy for the new year. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.